welcome everyone to another episode of Classroom to Staffroom where we talk all things teaching. I'm joined by my co-host Jody Epia. How are we all? I'm Miles O'Kane and we look forward to taking you all along for the ride. My man, so here we are, term three now, more than six months through the year. We've got through holidays. How do we find it? Yeah, not bad. Holidays, relaxing at the same time. It's nice to be back. I think the big thing is, is that to regenerate. Just give yourself that time to come back. You know, you come down off doing reports. You come down off doing parent-teacher interviews. It's adrenaline dump, oh, isn't it? It is, eh? It is. I know I keep saying it. Like, I find in my time teaching, I still crash. Like, it doesn't matter how I think I've planned it well during the term. The first week of holidays, I just crash. And I'm getting better with it with the management. But it's, it's definitely because teaching is so on your feet all the time. It's just so much stuff happening in the classroom. You need it. Like, it's just everything, just sort of that adrenaline dump happens. And you kind of just, you need it to, to get yourself focused for the following term. Wins of the holidays... Oh, it's just nice and relaxed. I ended up doing a pre-mental health course. Just in general, mental health for uh, students and schools? Mental health, uh, it's called Mental Health First Aid, so it covers okay. children all the way to 85-year-olds. So oh, wow. Yeah, it's quite a wide blanket in a sense. But it's very, very good because you end up looking at kids thinking, oh, wow, because you can get a certain algorithm or they use certain words or letters to say how you assess and going from step to step to step. Mm -hmm. So it's very methodical. So it was actually one of the good things I actually found out. What's your thoughts on mental health in schools? I know it definitely feels like for me the prevalence has increased over time. I don't know whether it's just people are talking about it more, which is a good thing yep. now, but it seems definitely more out there in the open. I think, as you said, it's becoming a lot more, a lot of people understand it a lot more now. And you don't need to hide from it anymore. There is a lot of unreported mental health problems. So many. Okay. People are too too scared to get that stigma attached to them. That's why. That's, That's a why shame, isn't it? Mm. It's an absolute shame. And yeah, I can, you can definitely I see it in students these days and the struggles they go through. It's uh, no, it's not a good thing. So if you can get help where possible, please yeah. do. Oh, as soon as you can. So they they believe the earlier the earlier detection, the better. That way you can get straight onto a form of um, finding a way to overcome it. Yep. Pros and cons for the medical side of things, for from a psychiatrist's point of view, for some people it works really well, for some it doesn't. It has a reverse effect in a sense, it dulls all your senses, so it's trying to find that combination of where does that person fit. Right, to counterbalance that, uh, baby's coming in two weeks, mate. If it goes all due on plan, so been painting, assembling baby furniture, <laughs> learning how to change nappies. I'm a sensitive new age guy, Mr. Epi, let it be known. So it's uh, it's crazy though, isn't it? Like, I thought, haven't taught for a while now, is handy enough with students. Then when it's your own kid, yes. you think of every worst case scenario. <laughs> and it's like, this could go absolutely pear shaped, but we live and we learn, don't we? I think, I think the funny thing that I find from my side of the fence anyway, I had my kids when I was quite young and my kids are now adults, all of them 19, 24, 25. Yep. And to see you come through with a new, brand new baby on the way, it's like, I know there are certain stages you're going to go through. It's just, <laughs> just going to happen. If I'm not talking in two weeks' time, as if they don't like it anymore, it's just I haven't slept. Yeah. So I'll go from there. What's, uh, just while we're on holidays, what's for you, what's the key to a good holiday break as a teacher? Oh, I just think just learn to relax, teach yourself how to relax, um, keep active at the same time, go for walks. I love taking my dogs for a walk. Mm -hmm. Me and my youngest daughter have good banter, we always get smart to each other, so that's actually quite fun. But anything, anything, as long as you're sort of active, as long as you're sort of achieving little goals, it doesn't have to be big ones, it might be an activity around the house, tidy the yard, do whatever else. Those sorts of things actually help the times pass, whereas some days, 
you could just the whole day be gone. You yeah. might be on your phone, you might be watching, a, watching something. Yep. Whole day gone, and you actually feel like, oh, it's, it's the worst that you had done nothing. I think I, they used to, when I was first started teaching, I'd go from all or nothing. So I'd go from being so busy during the term, mm. and then a holiday, just doing nothing and watching, <laughs> like binge watching TV shows, which was fine for the first couple of days, but then. I get a bit weird socially and stuff. I go outside. I'm like, this is just all a bit crazy right now. Again, different point in my life. Whereas these days, man, I think I think you're right. A few a few small tasks to do during the day, and then get enough time in to sort of recharge and relax. Yeah. Get out there, be social and stuff. I think doing those, checking off those boxes, yeah. sets you up for a, a good break. All right, man. So I think so. Starting off next term now. Looking at the episode. Yeah. So I think with where we are, and I think. Probably most teachers and people listening might want to get back into behaviour management side of stuff. I think mm. the rapport's always a big one. I know. I think since I started teaching, sorry, but I always say you know rapport is the most important thing in teaching. I think it's easy to say at times. I think the the subtleties to build rapport can be a little bit complex. I think if we take a look at sort of how to build rapport, why it's important. And base it around that. Maybe it will set us up for the listeners for um, sort of a strong term. What do you reckon? Yeah, good. Rapport's actually a really good one. It's one of those things that if you do it well, it actually works really well for you. Mm-hmm. If you don't establish a good rapport with kids or students or classrooms, you actually have to work a little bit harder. So it's just one of those things that, again, set it up really well, like at the beginning of the year, all your routines or whatever else. Yep. The rapport is built as time goes on, and then you do a lot more things to to just enhance that rapport yep kids start to pick up on things so yeah this i, I believe rapport is one of the biggest things that as young teachers coming through for any young teachers out there coming through mm-hmm. learn to build that build that with your students build that with staff build that with anyone that you have that's inside your area mm-hmm. because it actually pays off in the long run what i might do before we go into a deep dive in rapport just for just to refresh ourselves i know i need the times just have a look at definition of rapport so mm-hmm. this is a few things a few different sources i pulled from on rapport, so the Cambridge Dictionary defines rapport as a good understanding of someone and ability to communicate well with them. West Point Military Academy defines rapport as an overall feeling, sorry, between two people, encompassing a mutual trusting and pro-social bond. Mm. Took that and drilled down a bit further. What does rapport in teaching look like? And this is what I got. So the British Council in Teaching, rapport refers to a relationship between teachers and learners. And then skillsyouneed.com, building rapport is the process of developing a connection and understanding with someone else. I think definitely those first three mm. I've heard of before, the sources, the fourth one, not so much. But I think the common thing there is just good interpersonal skills and, and knowing how to work with people. So I think the first talking point is why is having a good rapport between teacher and student important? Do you want to take it to start with? Yeah, I'll have a crack at that one. Uh, rapport, it's an evolving thing as things go on. It's not just one size fits all, and it doesn't always stay the same way all the time. Rapport, if you build a good rapport, you build that relationship, open communication. Students know that you're there for them, you're there to support them, whatever else. I think students can pick up on whether you're there genuinely for them or whether you're just saying these words. And nine times out of ten, it's your actions that actually show as well what you actually, um, how you build that rapport such things as when you say something follow through mm-hmm. that way it sets a line with the students that they know that or oh, whatever um sir says or you know whatever the teacher says mm-hmm. they're going to follow through with it that there sets like a tone overall so the kids know that you're for real and you're genuine you also like for myself i let the kids know a lot of um, pros and cons about being honest and i'm actually quite honest with all my kids i'll tell them 
point blank if they're off. I'll tell them point blank if something's not right. But the honesty in that sense is the kids respond to the honesty of it. So they, the relationship that you start to build or with the kids that I have, you start to build and, you know, I could sit there one day and just uh, sitting with the kids in the class and I can simply read the room and the room, the atmosphere may not be the best. And you can simply say, hey, something's off. And then the kids will openly talk about things that they need to talk about to try and get overcome it. So, I think you're right, man. I think those small, that's what I was saying before, those small subtleties are hard, aren't they? I think to, and again, to, to sort of say to build rapport is important, definitely. But I think to be able to see it as well. Mm. I think you're right. Those, those, I definitely agree with those things to check them off. I think it's rapport is important between teachers and students higher student motivation mm. i think improved class dynamics yep. more confident students um it also so you get your stronger social and emotional skills so mm. not just looking at you know focusing on math skills or sports skills or science skills but building the student as a holistic approach and then um i think you need that strong rapport or a strong rapport sorry can decrease behavioral problems yeah. and promote academic success yes. So I think from that, we can then now sort of go into, sorry, I'll shuffle through my notes. What does strong student-teacher rapport look like in a classroom? Mm. All right, look at, um, as I said, it's the way you enter the room. I've seen teachers very enthusiastic at the beginning, clear instructions. Mm -hmm. I think the cool thing with teachers that I find effective, that I enjoy watching teach, is the way that they are, and it's consistent. Mm -hmm. is the consistency mm -hmm. and that's one of the key points i think with building rapport you are consistent there is no sort of um favoring one over the other you're consistent no matter which student it is and you build that same rapport over and over and you treat exactly the same everybody exactly the same yeah and when kids see that you are being fair being firm being consistent it just falls and they understand that your relationship you build with them is built on truth built on what's happening at the moment the only variable that changes is sometimes there are things that we don't have control over or even the student don't have control over. So you sort of tweak as you go through, you sort of notice something may not be so good, but then if you've built a good enough rapport with the kids, usually they'll let you know. They go, oh, sorry, I had a kid the other day simply say to me, Sue, sorry this morning. Yep. Sorry, Sue, do you mind if I just chill out for, for a couple of minutes? It's knowing the student, isn't yeah. it? I think, I think we'll go one for one here. Yep. Um, I think you're right. I think building on that, the mutual respect mm. is important between teacher and student. Yep. I think it takes a while to get there as well. And you build that respect through consistency mm. and it's sticking to your past. So if, you're, if you've been firm with the students, it's been firm with them, but it's not overusing that either and just going to a straight to uh, dictatorship, I That's guess. Right. But you're finding ways, okay, it's firm, but you're also building the students up as well. Mm. Open communication. Yes. I think open communication is always going to be an important part. I think from there, being able to shoot and seeing that you're clear and genuine and everything works from there, they're going to start to see that it's uh, it's an important place to be mm. and we can work from there. That open dialogue bro, is absolutely true. You've got to have the open dialogue and, and kids got to see that you're having an open dialogue and it allows others to see you have an open dialogue. And the cool thing with that is that others can hear what you're saying. And the cool thing with that is that they read off it and say, oh, well, you know, this is how serial, this is how the teacher handles this situation. Um, it's building a safe environment, isn't yeah. it? You know, where it's okay to talk. It's okay to talk. Yeah. I think individuality of a student is valued as well. Yeah. I think knowing that each student has their own place they can work for, 
Yeah, every, every student is individual. There's not going to be a, a common approach to, to teaching here. Yeah. It's just going to see what happened. Um, and then boundaries in the classroom are going to be important. I think as much as students want to rebel not to conform, which isn't a bad thing either, mm. they do want a sense of routine and restrictions okay. and you know and limitations to what they can do. And it's almost like it's, it's a craving, isn't it? Yeah. I can see it even in my time teaching the more challenging students. It's almost like they crave boundaries more. Absolutely. But obviously then, you know, depending where you're working, if you're working in a challenging behavioural school like we are, the students, are, you know, they've at their age got reputations and report, you know, um, reputations and images and stuff as well. And not that it's about promoting that, but it's about showing that, you know, it's, it's not about just ripping a student. I like what you just said, teachers who set up good routines. Like, and then I look at the fact, I reflect on what I do with my classes. I can meet them at the door, invite them in. When they come in, they automatically, it's nice to see, they go collect their equipment, they get themselves ready, they write the date, waiting for the next instruction or the instructions on the board. That routine that you talk about where those kids can be who are pointy-enders, mm -hmm. they actually really enjoy the safety of that routine mm -hmm. because they know I do A, then B, then C, then whatever else. And that sets a good tone for them. So they quickly settle, they get themselves organised, and everyone, and the cool thing is, that even if you drop a line something like oh well done mm -hmm. well done so and so for getting something done so quickly for getting yourself organized the ripple effect of that small comment actually ripples effects around the whole classroom and then everybody's like trying to get themselves organized set up for whatever yeah it's um it's just such a uh, diverse place the classroom isn't it mm. there's so much stuff happening all the time that you just have to to wonder what is going on and I always go back to it, man. I think, and we're both on this path, making mistakes as well, to, to learn to promote that. It, it's part of the star, it's part of the, the bond. It's part of the bond to know that, okay, we can make mistakes, we can learn from there. And the students, they they start to appreciate that as well, yeah. to work with. I think there's something, they see the human factor. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And, and, and the thing is, is that when they see that a teacher can make a mistake, and like, I can honestly say to you, I've actually been corrected by a student, mm -hmm. and I like that. And mm -hmm. I even say to my kids, challenge me. If you think I'm right or I'm wrong, challenge me. And I'm going to do this to you deliberately. And I think I may have mentioned it before. I'm going to say, are you sure? And if they if they cave, then they're not sure. But if they stick to their guns, oh, good on you. Good on you. Then the final point here, what's the tips to building better rapport with students that teachers can do? I'll definitely say if you can, if you know their name, show a bit of interest. Mm -hmm. Show a bit of interest in the things that they like. If you know they play footy, um, talk to them about footy, how the game goes. Mm -hmm. If you know they're into certain things, oh, what, are, what, what about this, what about that? You show a little bit of interest. That little bit of interest is a good investment down the line mm -hmm. because it does, it does come back in dividends in a sense. Mm -hmm. So show your interest in them. Um, give your honest opinions on things they do and be prepared to sort of share some things because when they see that you're genuine, bah, they'll... They go, oh yeah, I'm sure they told us about this, yeah, he's this and that. How do you go with, are you quite quick learning students' names? I'm getting worse, I think, as the years go on to start with. Do you, is your memory pretty good normally? Not bad, but I don't go out of my way to try and remember their names. If I don't, I just go, you. Yeah. <laughs> and I point to them. <laughs> or, or else I do my general, you sir, or young lady, I'll, I'll use those words. Just Oh, I, I swear he's, because my memory's pretty good normally, I swear I used to be better at it, but I find that, I don't know, it's just because life's getting busy. Which is, yeah, like it would take me longer, like it takes me halfway through the term to have like a big class, all the names remembered yeah. to work with. Uh, but that's a big one, I think, if you, because again, if they're 
learning your name. It's important they learn their name yeah. as well. I think there's there's a a window period there. Like I think that students understand that. Yeah. They're halfway through the year and still don't know their name. <laughs> there's probably going to be some issues there. I think if I was a student, I wouldn't be paying much attention. Yeah, yeah. But I think the the reward for like praise is important as well. Yep. I think you can overdo praise as well. I think it's directed praise. So I think it's, it's catching students with the small things, doing yes. the right thing at the right time. I think if they can, they see that and they understand that, they start to feel like it's important to work with. And then be enthusiastic about your teaching. To be enthusiastic about your teaching, we can, you learn as you work, as to go through. Jumping in on that, I had a kid, um, I simply says to the kid, give us a look at your work. How does book up? I said, oh, I like that. Just by simply saying a small thing like that, you look back at his mate like, oh, look at that, I've got this. I said, yeah. Well done. That was the way you set your workout, the way you answered your um, yep. answers. Great. Yep. So just as you say, those little praises when you catch them doing things like that, yep. it's so powerful because, they, again, the ripple effect that it has with the rest of the class, that kid has a little fist pump moment, you know, and he's sort of boasting to his mate like, wow. Yeah. Being approachable. Yes. I think being approachable. And then as a teacher, that you can kind of get, I guess, early years, you get taken advantage of as well because you hear me out because I think as a teacher, you by nature want to help people. Yeah. When you're a young graduate or, you know, you're coming into the job for a, a first time, all these questions are coming at you. And, you know, students' attention these days, especially the younger ones, isn't the best. So they're asking all these questions all the time. But I think it's, it's important to, again, going back to those boundaries and those routines, establish that things early. Like you're, you're there to be approachable, but it's the students have to put the work in as well yes. to work with. And I think having a humour is a big one as well. Yep. You know, be able to laugh and show that. It's, it's been firm, but fair, but then yeah. you can laugh at things as well, obviously in a <laughs> professional manner. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I think when there's something funny, laugh with it. It's, it's one of those natural things that occur. Mm-hmm. But again, what you were saying, being approachable, allowing kids to know that they're safe in mm-hmm. a safe environment. Mm-hmm. If you can create that environment by where the kids can come to you for any sort of reasons. And sometimes you have to give them reminders and simply say, look, if there's anything you need to talk about and you can't talk to so-and-so, mm-hmm. come see myself. Oh, my door is always open. Mm-hmm. Just constant reminders like that allows them to go, oh, look, sir, told me if I ever needed something, you know, I'll probably go and see him. It may, it may happen, it may not happen, but it's just letting them know that that option is available for them. Uh, one thing you do really well is you promote classroom discussion, which I think is a skill set in itself. Without going too much down that path, what are the keys to promote good discussion in the class and to be to help to use that to build rapport? Yeah. I think um, one of the things, like even today, I use it as a bit of a closing activity. I gave them scenarios where no matter which way they chose, None of the answers are good because you have to oh, choose one. Yeah, that's good. So that critical thinking of, and getting them to explain why they chose their decision. I yep. said, no matter which decision you make, both decisions may not have a good outcome. However, I just want to see your process. So tell me what, what made you think of this particular um, reason. And just giving them that ability to say their reasoning skills, mm-hmm. that there creates that whole thing because it allows them to articulate their thoughts you sort of go, wow, that's awesome. I didn't see it that way. Or, well, yeah, I agree with you because that's exactly what I think. What that does is, is that, that promotion of open discussions allows everyone to have a voice. Yes. The quiet kids may stay quiet, but then they'll put their hand up now and again if they become really, like, engaged in that conversation or something moves in them and then they'll actually say something. Yeah, they're always watching those quiet kids, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? And that's what I know. So those quiet kids, but they might be nervous this week, but they're always watching. Yeah. I think once they start to, to see that they're not going to get um, torn down, they'll start to build that courage, which is, yeah. I mean, public speaking in itself is a huge fear. That's right. So the fact they're getting over that as well, those are all positive things. 
I think it's going to be a short episode today. Yep. Do you, any summaries to that point, those points there? Oh, look, I, I, I would say for any young, any young teacher coming into the game, um, the rapport side of things, there are so many different ways that you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many different types of ways you can do it. Your own flavour, your own sort of mannerisms, the way that you are as a person, they all become variables that you can put into the way you build your rapport. Um, for mine, I I like to lay down the law at the beginning and then sort of ease off because the kids will mm-hmm. then, you know. Yeah, I'm the same. I prefer that way for mm-hmm. me personally. It works. Mm-hmm. And then just have to sort of like, and I, I refer it to when I was teaching my dogs how to behave <laughs> at parks. And you sort of just sort of give them a little check here and there just to put them back in line. That will happen. So like if you come in with a, do it like this. Yep. And then if they sort of go off the track, you sort of give them a little nudge. Hey, and then everybody comes back in line. It's all good. And I've, I've talked out for this before. I think uh, and you, you're saying using puppies or using young animals to learn training behavior is massive. And I find that. I think Odex always had dogs growing up. You yeah. learn to, and are responsible for training them. You kind of, um, there is transferable skills there, yeah, yeah. which is good. Um, no, I agree. Look, I just, the whole point I wanted to talk about today was just rapport is, it is crucial, especially those more challenging schools mm. with behavior management, but at times it, it can be tricky to, you know, to get a textbook understanding of it. So I think just, if you have, te- if you're struggling with it and you want some ideas, try, try find some good teachers, find some teachers out there that do it well, yep. see what they're doing and try some stuff. Um, or if you, if you really want to get in contact with us, you mm. can search us up. We'll have more details on that in the next couple of weeks. I'm definitely going to say this one. Just put the hard yards in. Just like most things, if you do it at the beginning of the year, put the hard yards in, create an environment that you want, and then you will see it's actually a lot easier. But if you don't set those things up, you're going to be working twice as hard, let's say. Yeah, and you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's good to be back, my man. I appreciate yeah. it. I think, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be happy. Cold weather's coming to an end, dude. Really am. And, all I'm going to say, bro, you've got a baby coming up. <laughs> I do, mate. I do. I do. So there may be some disruptions the next couple of uh, <laughs> the months coming up with the podcast, but I'll do my best to, to help you all with our, our loyal listeners. <laughs> so I think on that note, thank you all for listening. And, uh, we'll catch you next episode. Nice one. Thank you.